Hello and welcome to Journeys in Grace. My name is Eric Hubbard. I want to thank you for joining us as we study the Word of God. And I want to give you two ways to contact us as we get started. First, by mail at Pastor Eric, Post Office Box 4473, Marietta, Georgia 30061, or by L at Pastor Eric 523 at gmail.com. That's Pastor Eric 523 at gmail.com. Over the last few weeks, we've been studying about the Apostle Paul. And as we started out, I let you know, and hopefully I'll just want to reiterate this, that we cannot cover the entire life of Paul because the book of Acts is just a summary of all of the things that he did and the many trips and the many things that he encountered and the books that he wrote. And of course, it concludes with him going to Rome, but yet it doesn't, it doesn't give us the ending of it. And many think that the book of Acts is still being lived today. And I believe the same because we now are the apostles and uh, the disciples and pastors and teachers and believers who will finish the book of Acts as when Jesus comes again. So again, as we talk today, I wanted, I think it's uh, important for us to just not only continue to talk about Paul, but also we're going to go over to the book of Philippians. And the reason I am going there is because this week we're celebrating uh, Thanksgiving. And I think that's one of the most important things that our Savior, and I believe that, uh, that, that the apostles spoke of, and specifically Paul, who wrote, as I've said many times, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. He was a, we would call him a prolific writer, as he gave us not only uh, many books to read, but he introduced us to grace. And he gave us the 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 uh, words of Christ, and he had received that revelation. And I believe God gave that to Paul, because Paul said that he was the chiefest of sinners. And I think that one of the things that he said this was, was because not only was he um, uh, against the church, but he was a zealous member of the uh, of the Pharisee sect, and he um, uh, not only criticized, he terrorized, he um, um, was deputized, used all the eyes is there. He went out and um, apprehended believers and tortured them into, uh, hopefully for his, for, his, for his benefit, to deny Christ. But many of them chose to die. They chose to be crucified. Stephen, knowing what was going to happen to him, he could have gotten out of it and said, oh, you know, oops, I, I didn't mean that. But no, he didn't. But he continued on testifying of the majesty and the love of Christ and that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, even up to, up, up and until his very death by stoning. And as you read in the book of Acts, you read how that uh, as they were throwing rocks and stones at him, he's, before he died, he said, Father, forgive them. He said, don't put this to their charge because he, Stephen, had the love of Jesus Christ. He had love for his fellow man. And although they, the Bible said they gnashed on him with their teeth and they, 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 they viciously wanted to, to just see him dead. And Paul himself, with his name being Saul at that time, stood by holding his coat. And I believe as Paul witnesses, witnessed this young man being willing to die for his faith, and then when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he discovered that this Jesus, who he was persecuting, was actually the Lord and Savior of our faith. 
And so as we go over to the book of uh, the book of Philippians, fourth chapter, and for this week of Thanksgiving and for every day, not just for Thanksgiving, but I believe it was the Lord's doing for us to have this day to remind us that of the of a time that we should be thankful. And again, not just because just uh, Thanksgiving week, but be, but for every day, we should give thanks about what God has done for us. And I think it's a uh, it's a measuring stick. It's a uh, it's a temperature gauge that if you are not a thankful person and you are not uh, giving God praise for wherever you are, no matter what your circumstances is. And at times I've, I've learned to know and just I just believe in my spirit that those who some are incarcerated, some are imprisoned in their mind and may be uh, depressed or addicted or, or uh, any of any any such things. They may be in prison, maybe not because of a crime they have committed. You could be a kidnapped victim. You could be you could be any of those, these things uh, held against your will. And all of these things, Satan desires to capture us. And he can do that. And you can be in prison and not be in prison. There are far more prisoners outside the jail cell walls than there are inside. Because there are so many people now who are imprisoned with fear. They are imprisoned with fear because they are fretful about tomorrow, about the stock market, about their job, about their relationship, about their husband, their wife, their children, their mom, their dad. All of these things have imprisoned the people of our day. But there is an answer. And his name is Jesus Christ. So we're going to go over now and we're going to just begin to study the book of, uh, of Philippians. And the reason why we're going to this book is because this is one of the epistles that Paul wrote when he was in the Roman jail. And isn't it ironic that uh, here this man is, he traveled the known world there around the Mediterranean Sea, up into Turkey and over into Greece. And, and now he finds himself in Rome and the different islands around the Mediterranean, around uh, uh, Jerusalem preaching and carrying the word of God and just fulfilling the, the will of God as God purposed for him. And now Paul finds himself in a jail in Rome. And now he's writing to one of the churches that had supported him and one which he had um, uh, visited. He had preached to them, spoken to them. And now he's talking to them about the love they've shown for him. And now here he is a man. He's in jail. And he's encouraging him. He's encouraging them, rather. And over in Philippians 4th chapter, 4th verse, Paul, uh, I'm going to jump right into Philippians 4 and 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men that the Lord is at hand. But in that fourth verse, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And there's a reason why he repeated this word because and repeated this phrase because he was he was, it was as though he was speaking to someone said what what you say he said rejoice in the Lord he says again I say rejoice he says let your moderation be known unto man unto all men rather that the Lord is at hand so basically what he's saying is moderation is can be said let your temperament or your or your um your attitude. Moderation is you're not you're not more than or less than, but you are. And what I mean by that is that you that you know where you are in the world. You have a you know, you have the proper attitude in all things 
whether you're going through good times or bad, you are mo- you have a moderate temperature. In other words, you have a moderate temperament is the word I want to use because you recognize in all things Christ is with me. Now, it, it, and as we read on through this, I always want to point you to Jesus. If we know without, if we know that we know that we know in our hearts that whatever you are going through right now, whether it's a challenge in your body, it's a challenge on your job, it's a challenge on your finances, whether you're challenging your marriage and you look around and you say, man, is this, is this the man I married? Is this the woman that I married? Is this, is this the choice I made? But I want to let you know, beloved, that God is with you. He is with you everywhere you are. The Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. Because Romans 8 says that he that hath the Spirit of God, he that hath not the Spirit of God is none of his. So if you belong to Christ, if you are a believer, God is dwelling on the inside of you. So no matter what you're going through today, God is resident on the inside. So whenever, as I've said before, whenever you walk into any place, victory walks in the door. It's evident in you. It's regard, the Holy Spirit is resident. He's in you. He's not just on you. He doesn't just come and go. To In the believer's life, there may be times where we don't sense them. You may not have the tingling in your hand and you know the dance in your feet and the running. You may not be running around a building, but you've got to know that you know that you know that if God is for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter. Scripture says one can chase a thousand to ten thousand. It doesn't matter who's against you. You and God are the majority. Trust him. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is, and that thankfulness, whenever you are thankful, and there may be times you got to find something to be thankful about. Things may be so bad in your life, you may be going through some things and you don't see, you can't see the end. And when you see the light, you may feel like that's just another train coming down the track to wipe me out. But know that you know that God is for you. So we go to the fifth verse and we talked about moderation. He said, let your moderation, let your attitude, let your frame of mind be known to all men that I, that you are not going to get flustered with the stock market. You're not going to get flustered with the election and the, whether the Democrat, the Libertarian, the Republican uh, uh, elected. You know that you know that I trust God. Then he goes on to say, what? That the Lord is at hand. Even in the days of, of, the, of the apostles, of the, this, of the original apostles, who I called the, the 12, and then uh, Paul and Barnabas and others came along, they were looking for Christ in any day. They recognized the, the, their day. But I want to tell you that though I may not see the rapture and the, and the coming of Christ in my lifetime, when you leave this earth, that's the end for all of us. There is no do-over. There is no, oh, you know what? I'm, I messed up, Lord. Oops, let me, let me go back. No. We get one opportunity in this life. Let's take advantage of it. Let's live every day with the thanks on our heart. When you wake up and you recognize that, you know what? I still have the activity of, of my limbs. I still can see. I still can walk. I still can, and, and you know, my heart's beating. My, my, and, it, and it's in rhythm. I can stand up. I can walk to the 
to the uh, to the to, to, to and stand up and take a bath unassisted. I can go and prepare my meal unassisted. I can feed myself. All these things, though they may be small and you may not think about them at all. But if you wake up tomorrow morning in somebody's hospital room, hearing that little beep, 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 which is which is basically tracking your heart. And you are not on only motion you can do is blink your eye. You will you will remember that, you know what, that was a time. Why wait till we face the, 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 the trials of tomorrow? Why not in this present day, give God praise for whatever you can do? Thank God. It may not be what you want. You may not be in the house, in the car. You may not, your marriage may not be at the level, uh, you may not have the, 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 the relationship that you want to have. And the health of your relationship may be at this worst. But keep giving God the praise of God, Father. It could be worse. So Paul goes on to say, in the, in the sixth verse, he says, be careful for nothing. And careful in this place, he's saying, don't be worried. I believe it's in the book of uh, book of James. It, it talks about how that we should not. He said, uh, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in all things, the prayer and supplication, make your uh, uh, request known to God. Here is in, in, uh, in Philippians. But James says to cast all your cares. All of them. All of your cares. Put it on the shoulders of Jesus. Let him handle it. Let him handle it. Let him handle it. Take that son and put him in the Lord's hand. Yes, you direct them. You give him your opinion. When they reach a certain age, you know, uh, you used to call it corporal punishment where you pull out the belt or all those things. That comes a time when he's 6'4". You and your little five foot three self, what are you going to do? He can take that belt from you. You ain't hurting him or her. But what you have to do is know what you said, Lord. I've done all that I could do. I've taught them. I've, 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 I've prayed with them. I've taken them to church. I've been the best example I could be. But now, Lord, it's in your hands. And Paul is saying here, he said, don't be careful for nothing. He said, but what? But in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving. You make your request unto God. But you also praise him for where you are at this moment. Thanking him for what he's already done. For Because when you stop giving God thanks, that means that you're losing your eye of your heart is being darkened. The voice of your heart is being darkened. And you are losing that voice because scripture says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Feed yourself the word of God. Feed it. Go and read the book of Psalms. Go and read Psalms 37. Read Psalms 23. Read the whole book of Psalms. My point is get a praise in your heart. Thanksgiving on your lips and thank God for where you are today. You may not be making the money you want to make. They may have passed over you for the third time. Your boss may have uh, may be treating you wrong. But you need the job for now because you know that you are believing God for a better day. Child of God, don't give up. Don't give up. 
You got to see yourself having a better day. You got to see your marriage being better. You got to see yourself married. If you're single and you want to be married, see it. See yourself in your wedding, walking down the wedding aisle, walking down the aisle. See yourself, your husband, your future husband there. And you may not can make his face out, but say, Lord, I trust you. You said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. I believe, Lord, that marriage is, some, is, is, is good. And I believe, Father, there's a, there's, a, there's a saved man out there for me. Not just any man, a saved man. And I trust you that this man is there, that I, am, uh, I will be prepared and he will too. And we will live uh, in, in fellowship, in relationship, putting you first. That he'll love me more than I love him. That rather he'll love me more than, than uh, he'll love God rather more than he loved me. As I will love God more than I love him. And see, when you put God first, he will bring things together. He'll talk to you and tell you how to work your marriage things out. Scripture says, in all things acknowledge him and he will direct your heart. If you take your marriage problems and you're thankful to the Lord, I thank you for your answer. I thank you that you bring us together. I thank you that you knit us together. I thank you, Lord, that you are, you are taking me to a higher height and deeper depth, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that, that, that our love is stronger than ever before. That our children, Lord, they are, they are, they're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. That not only, Lord, they are prosperous, but they have relationship most of all with you. These are the things that Paul is talking about by saying in everything by prayer. Put everything in prayer. Talk to God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is just you talking to God and say, Lord, as Jesus said, our Father which art in heaven, when he gave that model prayer, he was saying, you recognize God who he is. You start out with praise. You recognize him for who he is. You thank him for what he's already done. You praise him for, 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 for the little and the big. You, then you take a little time to say, Lord, this is what I'm facing today. I trust you, Lord, that you will take care of this. And you will, you will, this mountain has been removed. And you speak to the mountain. Mountain, you are destroyed. Sickness, you are, you are, 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 are out of my body. Body, I command you to be healed. See yourself healed. See yourself blessed. See your bank account with, 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 with seven zeros on it and with a number in front, a positive number in front. See it. Don't see yourself in the negative. Don't see uh, checks bouncing. Don't see uh, uh, bill collectors coming to your door. Don't see somebody uh, uh, towing your car away. Don't see your furniture in the front yard. But see yourself having more than enough. Not only can you pay, have paid off your house, you can bless somebody else by paying their house off too. Not only can you buy yourself groceries, you can buy grandma's groceries. For, you ask us to give me your list for this week. I'm going to buy you groceries because you have more than enough. See, when you, you barely making it, it's hard to bless somebody else when you don't have enough. But God wants us to know that he is a more than enough God. He is in more than enough. Every miracle that Jesus had, you read in the scriptures, he gave more than enough. When he fed the 5,000, there were things left over. When he fed the 7,000, 
And they were, they were counting just the men. They didn't count the, the women and the children. There were more than enough. And that's what God wants to do for us today. Give us more than enough. Let's be thankful for the little. Let's be thankful in a few things. He will make you master of many, of much. So let's move on now as we uh, uh, continue on in this study today. Let's go now to the book of uh, the book of uh, um, the book of Second Timothy. Like people go to Second Timothy three and two. Let me see, let me go there now. And I pray you're getting something out of this today. Second Timothy, third chapter, second verse, and Paul begins to talk to Timothy about what how the last day is going to look. I'm going to read the first verse first. He says, Second uh, Timothy two three. Second Timothy, I'm sorry, third chapter, first verse. Second Timothy, third chapter, first verse. This know also, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And when something is perilous, that means it's teetering on the edge. And I believe that we were on the edge of Christ coming again. We're on the edge of it. He's at the brink of coming again. Because he says, in the last days, what? Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, desiring other things, boasters, proud, blasphemous. You can talk about any other religion, but and you can you most people are afraid they won't talk about the uh, Mormon, they won't talk about the, they won't talk about the uh, uh, Muslims, they won't talk about Islam, they won't talk about the Buddhists. You can talk, you can be any other, but they'll curse God out. They'll defame Jesus Christ. They'll say, do whatever and whatever they are big and bad enough to do. They are, that's blasphemy when you use the Lord's name in vain. It's blasphemy, blasphemous. He goes on to say, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. He's saying that in the last days, there'll be some, the people will be unthankful. They won't appreciate anything. They won't, they won't uh, uh, acknowledge the good things that are in their lives. And that's what a, portion, a part of unthankfulness is, that it's not an acknowledgement of, you know, I used to drive this car. I can remember myself when I was ashamed of my own car. I, I had a little car that uh, had a nice looking uh, a Ford. I crashed it. And my dad had taught me how to work on cars. I took the engine. I uh, took an engine that my dad, my brother had in the yard, put that in a car I got from the junkyard, fixed that car. I drove that car almost to South Carolina back. But my point in saying that is I was thankful. It's all I had. Only thing it cost me, I think it might have, car might have cost me $100. The body. I took the engine. I made it by the grace of God and with my dad's help. But my point saying, what I'm saying is that I was thankful and many of you, you started out, you remember when you were making three and four and five dollars an hour. You remember when you didn't have the money that you have now, that when you got out of college or you left high school or you got out of the armed forces and you prayed for a job and God blessed you. Remember where God brought you from. Remember. Remember what God, God has delivered you. Some of you were sick last year. You were sick the year before. You had COVID. They thought you were going to die. You've had heart trouble. You've had uh, these things. And they wanted to put you in hospice and, and, and telling the family to come in. But by the grace of God, you're still here. Some of the doctors or nurses that said that you were going to die, they've gone on. God is good. 
He's been good to you. Give him praise and glory for what he's already done. And as I said earlier, when we stop meditating, when we stop thinking on the goodness of God, our hearts become darkened. We lose our sight for better. For again, scripture says in Luke 6.45, it says, the, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to check where you, you got to check your heart. When you're speaking wrong, that means you're receiving wrong. You're receiving the, the bad report. You're receiving the worst of the worst. The, uh, it's called the worst circumstance. You know, we got to plan for the worst. Many people, they say, oh, you know what? Uh, they got millions in the bank and they worried about running out of money. Got four or five million dollars in the bank. House paid for, cars paid for, and they, they can't quit work. They're sick and still working. I can see, you know, if you want to work because, you know what, I just need something to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're fearful of running out of money. And they have millions. Cars paid. Got multiple houses. Cars paid for. And they're still scratching trying to make the extra dime. When you came into this world, you had nothing. When you leave, you will have nothing. Maybe you're working for your grandkids or your, or your, your husband or your children. But take time out to enjoy this life. And when you're thankful of what God has done, he will lead you and guide you and show you what to do, how to do. He wants you to be happy. God, believe, believe it or not, God wants you to be happy. There are so many sad, depressed believers. And it's not because everything is rosy, not because everything in our lives, you know, that it sees people, say, you live in a fantasy world. No, I look at and I say, you know what, Lord, things may not be like I want them to be, but they could be worse. I can remember when times were worse, when I didn't have money, when I didn't have a car, when I was sleeping on the floor, when I was uh, making little or nothing, I wasn't even making minimum, minimum wage. But God made a way. I am thankful that what, where God has brought me from, from that day to this day. And that's what Timothy says. He said, they will be unthankful in the last day. So let's go on now. We uh, getting to wrap up this teaching. But I'll say again that for our point today and in every teaching is to point you to Jesus. And this is what the scripture says over in the book of uh, the book of John. St. John one one fourteen. I want to read St. John one fourteen. I think it's here. Here we go. And when we think about where we are and what God has done, we must look to his grace. For when we receive the abundant grace, scripture says that we get new mercies every day. You might have messed up royally. You might have fouled things up and think that God... I. Can it get any worse? And it's because of things you did. But the scripture says you receive new mercies every day. Every morning, he gives us new mercy and said, I got you. You'll never exhaust my love. This is what St. John 1, 4, 14 says. And the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus himself was the word. Jesus is grace. 
The scripture says, we are saved in Ephesians, we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. What is the gift? Jesus was and is the gift. He was the gift of grace. And we read on, it says that John bad witness of him, talking about Jesus, that this was he of whom I spoke. He said, I, talked, I told you, there's a man coming. That man is available for you today. The only thing, God made it so simple. He only asked that we receive his son. He didn't ask you to clean yourself up. He didn't ask you to start going to church. And that is a part. You should go to church if you're a believer because we are our inheritance. Our strength is among them that are sanctified. We are encouraged by the, uh, by the uh, words and by the testimony of others. We are blessed by the ministries of others. So we should, if at all possible, go to church and be in a physical building. But it goes on to say that John, verse 15, John 1, 15, John bear witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake, that he came, he that cometh after me is before, before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we received and grace for grace. Grace. Not only is grace God's undeserved, unmerited favor, meaning God, we receive what Jesus deserved. Jesus received what we deserve. We deserve hell, hell, and the sins that, are, that, that drives a man there. Jesus deserved the, 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 all the authority and the blessing and the honor that a king receives. And he gave that to us because he made us kings and priests. And he took on sin, became sin, and went to hell because only a sinner could go to hell. But Jesus bore us. He never sinned. He never lied. He never cursed. There was no guile found in him. And he went to hell because he looked like sin. But oh, when Satan, when he came down there and took everything that the devil had stole from Adam, he had the right to go because he took what I deserve. That's why I got a right to heaven because I have what he deserves. And you have it if you will only believe. Let me read one more verse. One more verse. This is over in the book of Zechariah. This is the uh, prophet Zechariah. And the angel is talking to him. You can read the full chapter, chapter number four. I'm going to read this Zechariah four and five. I'm going to read five through seven. He says, then the angel that talked with him, talked with me, answered and said unto me. He said, no, not what these things be. And I said, no, my Lord. Now he's talking to Zechariah. The angel is talking. The sixth verse, he said, then he answered and spake and said unto him, said unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, I'm sorry, unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by power, Zechariah 4, 6, not by power, nor by might, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's how God does things. He does things not by with the, with the, with the, with the abilities of men. The spirit of God will work things out for you. He will give you favor. You have favor. You don't have to pray for favor. You just have to receive it and say, Lord, your favor rests upon me. And when you pray about a thing and you get peace in your spirit, Go get that car. Go get that house. 
God will give you the courage and he will give you the wisdom. It's one thing to hear a thing. It's another to get the wisdom of it. Get the perception of it. You get the wisdom of the when and the why and the how. And you just follow God. That's what I pray for. I said, Lord, I don't only want to know the, the, the info. I don't, only, I don't only need the information. I need the wisdom of how to use what you gave to me. So he says to me, I'm going to read that again. 4-6, last half. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Last verse, he begins to say, Who art thou, O great mountain? Doesn't that sound like Mark 11, 23? Before Zerubbabel, before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. He says, God, I'm going to smash you. I'm going to make you flat so that my people can just, so can just walk right over you. And he shall bring the headstone thereof with shouting, crying, grace, grace unto it. Speak grace to your problem. Because when you declare grace, you declare Jesus. Speak Jesus over your children. Speak Jesus over your problem. Speak Jesus over your house. Speak Jesus over your family. Speak Jesus over every situation that you will ever have. Jesus is your answer. I know he's not talked about very much now. But Jesus is grace. Jesus is your deliverance. We only need to receive it. I pray you receive something out of this today. I pray these few words will be a blessing to your heart, will encourage you in this Thanksgiving season to give God thanks for what he's done for you, the blessings that he's given to you, the miracles that he's worked out for you, the favor that rests upon you, and most of all, the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside. If you wish to know him, he's, he's only a prayer away. Just simply by saying, Lord Jesus, help. I am a sinner, Lord. I give my life to you. Thank you for, give, for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for helping me. I receive your son as my Lord and Savior, Father. Now I, by faith, am a part of the family of God. Teach me your way. I listen for you speak to me. I open your Bible and I read it. Lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. Until we meet again, join us again on Journeys in Grace.